this morning in verse 17. We're going to go down, for the sake of time, we're going to go down to verse 24. 17 through verse 24. Let's, let's read, it's not that many verses, let's read them all together. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when we had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they are informed of thee, that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. What is it, therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do, therefore, this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Them take and purify themselves with them. Be at charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing. But thou, thou thyself also walkest orderly, and keepest the law. This morning, you'll see on the screen, I want to preach a message entitled, The Church That Loses Its Way. Father, you know my heart this morning. I thank you, Lord, for our teens. I thank you this morning that they're leading in worship. I'm thankful, Father, that they are on their own, sitting up front, Bibles open, ready, Lord, to worship you, ready to be preached to. God, I pray that we look at them as an example today and that they teach us. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every mom and dad today. Lord, that the responsibility that they have to keep stoking that fire and to not let their kids, for them not to be the excuse for their kids to go backwards. Lord, I pray as a church this morning, that as we learn something from the scriptures here today, that we are not a church that loses its way. Lord, I pray that you'll use me today to preach your truth, to preach your word. God, empower me today to say what needs to be said. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Last time we were in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul was making his way back to Jerusalem. He wanted to be there by the time Pentecost rolled around, when all the Jews had come together and worshipped there in the, in the temple. They all presented themselves before the Lord. Paul was excited to return to Jerusalem. Everywhere he went, the Spirit bared witness that if he got to Jerusalem, there was going to be trouble. There was prophets who came to him and said, when you go to Jerusalem, there's going to be trouble. He understood that, but Paul wasn't concerned with that. Paul had a desire to proclaim the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles. 
He was to go across the, the world at that time and teaching people about Jesus and how he was the Savior, that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. But even while he was doing that, he still had a heart for his home. He still had a heart for those he loved. He was a Jew, and he still desired for the Jews to be saved. So he was excited for the opportunity to return to Jerusalem. Paul had spent much of his time on his third missionary journey, collecting offering for the church that was there in the holy city. And he brought with him on this trip a small band of Gentile converts that he wanted to introduce. These were men who had been saved. These were men who were faithful in serving God. And they perhaps had never been to Jerusalem before. They had never been to the holy city before, and he was wanting to bring them with him, introduce them to where the church first began. I want you to remember in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles. Peter was known there, and we, we have his sermon recorded for us. And he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and on that day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. A lot of people were questioning what was going on. Who are these men? How is it that they are speaking in our language? How is it that we can hear them speak? Are these men drunk? They were, they were filled with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God was controlling them. 3,000 people had gotten saved. A few days later, they were going to the temple at the time of prayer. And on their way into the temple, there was a lame man, about 40 years old and never walked. There was that man that people knew as the beggar. The, the, the man that everyone knew, he was always going to be there with his little cup sitting there and asking for a donation, asking for charity, asking for some alms. Well, Peter walked by him, and, and Peter fastened his eyes on him, and that man asked him for an offering. I believe he got excited that he's fixing to hear some coins fall into his cup. But Peter simply said, listen, I'm going to show you right here, I don't have anything in my pockets except for a couple of keys. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that old fella took Peter by the hand, and he got up, and he didn't just stand up, that fella leaped. And he didn't just walk into the temple, he walked into the temple, praise it, almighty God. I wonder how our church services would change if people walked in here praising God for his goodness. Praising the Lord. He goes into that temple and people are gathering around. Why is this man praising God? Why, is this the same guy? Is this the beggar? How is he walking? Is he, is, he, is he a fake? Is he a phony? No, they found out real quick as they gathered around him. He wasn't fake. He wasn't phony. He met a man named Jesus. Right? And by faith in Jesus Christ, he was able to stand up and walk. He was introduced to Jesus by a stranger by the name of Peter. Never met Peter before, never had a conversation with him before. But Peter saw in him a man that needed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. How would it change our church if we weren't so busy to get from point A to point B that we stopped and took time and said, listen, I don't have any money to give you right now, but I'd like to take some time to introduce you to my Savior, Jesus Christ. He changed my life. He transformed my life, and I believe he could change yours. I believe it would change our church. Amen?
I believe that we don't have to wait to an SOS. I believe we don't have to wait till one time a month on a Saturday morning that we can gather together and go tell people about Jesus. I believe Jesus puts people in our, in our path all the time if we're just looking for them. Amen. I want to hear somebody but the teenagers today. All right? They're loud because they're right here in front of me. I want us to wake up a little bit this morning. I believe it would change some things. I mean, Peter, Peter the, that, that lame man went in there and all the people gathered around, and Peter's a preacher. And Peter sees all them people gathering around, and he looks at an opportunity. This is an opportunity to preach. And he just preached. And what did he give him? He just gave him the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've only got one time to preach, make sure you preach the gospel. He preached the gospel that day, and it stirred some people up. It made some people mad. There were some people that didn't like it. There were some people that got angry. There were some people that got, when that service was done, they went and got those preachers, and they took them back to the jailhouse. And they said, listen, we want to know what you're up to. We want to know who you're preaching about. Listen, we, we recognize this. We recognize that that lame man's different. We understand that. But we don't want people knowing about Jesus Christ. And Peter just simply said, listen, listen, if it's wrong for me to preach Jesus, that's up to you. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to obey God. I can't help but tell people what I've experienced in my life. Just start right there. Well, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 men got saved that day. Boy, that is a church that found its way. And the way is only upwards. And the way is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. They recognized that. They realized that. And Peter, I imagine Paul saying, listen, I can't wait for you boys to get back to me in Jerusalem. I can't wait to introduce you to James and all the elders. There's evidence that there were 70 elders that were there. He says, I, I, I imagine he can't wait to introduce them to this church where it all started. I imagine it was, a, it was a place where he first showed up and people didn't want anything to do with him, but a man named Barnabas said, listen, Paul's the real deal. Actually, his name was Saul at that time. Saul's the real deal. And he became the great apostle Paul. That's where things started for him. That was an influence in his life. He was excited to get there. And then he shows up and he gets there and the first day he sees everybody in verse 17, the people see him, and the Bible says that they received him gladly. Woo, it's good to see you, Paul. What a blessing it is. I imagine there were some hugs, and I imagine in those Bible days there were some holy kisses. I'm thankful we're not in those days. I'm just saying. Some of you got bad breath, all right? I don't think they kiss one another on the mouth, all right? But I don't want that close to you, period. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, I love you in the Lord. I'll even wash your feet before I kiss you. And that's saying something if you know me. Listen, they gather together and, uh, and, 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 and here they are and say, Paul, it's good to see you. We're glad to see you. And they spend a little time of fellowship there. And they come back the next day. And the next day, Paul gathers around. And I want you to look there in verse number 18. The Bible says he was very particular. When he spoke to them, he spoke to them particularly what God had wrought through his ministry. Paul knew this. It wasn't about Paul. It wasn't about Paul making a name for himself. It was about God Almighty. Paul didn't do anything. Paul was just a vessel that God could use. 
And God spoke through Paul. And God spoke through Silas and Luke and Timothy and Barnabas and others who were with him. The other men who had gathered around him. Paul just wanted to give glory to God. He didn't want to lift up man. And he was very particular. He gave a report. Listen, when I went to this city, man, this is what happened right here. This is what God done. Amen. What Paul did when he showed up there on that day, Paul didn't go on and say, he didn't talk about his licks and his wounds and his hurts and his pains and what so-and-so did to him and what this group of people did to him and how they hurt him and how they cut him and how they tried to get him to shut up and stop talking about Jesus. When Paul testified... Paul testified of what God had done. How would it change our church if we start glorying in our hurts and our pains and our sufferings and start focusing and glorying in the goodness of God? I believe it would change our church. Amen? I believe it would affect every one of us. We'd start talking about how this one hurt me. Oh, I went on outreach today and this one got mad at me and shut the door. Well, praise God, I went on outreach yesterday and somebody got saved. I'd rather glory in that, right? What would we do if that happens? What Paul found when he got back to Jerusalem is he found a church that was once powerful, that was once used mightily of God to see souls saved. But he found a church that had lost its way. A church that had started making the wrong things the priority. A church that was once filled with the Spirit of God, but was now superficial. In verse 17, hugging one another. Oh, it's good to see you. They received him gladly. In verse 18, well, they glorified the Lord in the testimony that Paul had. Boy, that's good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear that some people got saved in jail ministry. That's good to hear some people got saved in youth group. That's good to hear somebody got saved in the whole house. It's good to hear somebody got saved in the Philippines. But as you continue to read on in verse 18 and 19, you find that there was something deeper in their heart that they just couldn't wait to get out. And that is they got a problem with Paul. Paul, there's some rumors about you. There's some things that's being said, and we need to get them clarified. Oh, it's good to see you, and we're glad, we're glad souls are getting saved. We're thankful for that. But what the burning thing that's really bothering me right now is what is your relationship with the law of Moses? Because we're hearing some things. And what they were hearing was flat-out lies. We'll see that in just a moment. Just lies. Someone once said that a rumor doesn't have a leg to walk on, but it sure can find its way around. Man, they're stirred up. Listen, what I find today is people can be very superficial in their relationships. They can hug you. They can, they can shake your hand. They can, they can put on a smile and face. But they got something in them that's burning that they just can't, read, they just can't wait to get out. What about this right here, preacher? I once heard a pastor, a pastor was with me just recently, and he testified. He said, listen, we, just, we had 20-something people get saved. We had 20 people get saved in our church. 
And we had a testimony service one night, and there was a gentleman who stood up that had a history with our church that I was not aware of, he said. And this man was asking for forgiveness and wanting to get some things right. And after the service, he had a number of people in his congregation come to the pastor and complain because he let that man stand up and speak. And the pastor finally said, listen here. I have not heard one person come to me and be thankful that 20-something people just got saved. What's really burning in you is whether or not somebody that you agree with is trying to get his heart right with God or not. Whether he's sincere or not. We, we become, as a church as a whole, we become superficial in our relationships with one another. Oh, it's good to see you, brother. You'll never see me or talk to me or hear from me any other time except for Sunday morning. It's just a superficial thing. Superficial in our relationship with God. So many people, if I'm, if I'm, I want to hit you, I want to hit you with the word of God if I need to today. So many people, the only time they're in the word of God is when they're in church on Sunday morning. Superficial. There's no, what does superficial mean? It means there's no depth. There's no, there's no roots. It's just superficial. And when that happens, all we do is play church. All we do is play worship. All we do is find fault with one another. Find fault with God. Does God love me? Listen, that is a shallow, superficial faith if you're asking, does God love you? Oh, God is good. God is good all the time, except for when things aren't going just right. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? Superficial. Shallow. This church is superficial. It's superficial more than it was spiritual. They had, their, they had their focus on the wrong things. They had their focus on rumors, not people getting saved. Amen, amen, and amen. They're superficial in their worship. We become superficial in our worship. I don't know why it has become customary in Baptist churches for people to be so scared to raise their hand when God's speaking to their heart. Why is that a strange thing? I'm not, act, I'm not, I'm not saying people got to act foolish. I'm just saying it's okay to worship the Lord. I'm saying it's okay to have a good time in church. Anybody out there this morning? It's okay to have a good time in church. It's okay to encourage one another. It's okay to let the tears roll down a little bit. To think about how good God is to you. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It ought to stir, I, there ought to have been, I don't know, it ought to move you in some kind of way to see them kids sing. They hadn't been practicing that for a month. They practiced it for one hour last night. They were singing out. Why? Because their heart was in it. It was worship. It was worship. We get, we get superficial in our service. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to really like it. I'm not going to put my heart into it. I'm going to find an excuse at some point to get out of it. I'm going to find a way not to be in the nursery tonight. I'm going to find a way not to help in Awana. I'm going to find a way not to teach a children's Sunday school class. I mean, of all the people in the world that we ought to be ministering to, it ought to be children. They ought to be the most important people because they're so influential and there's such an opportunity to pour into them. And it shouldn't just be mom and dads. It should be the church. Amen. 
We, we get superficial in our service. Maybe I'll be there. We'll see. Don't be the kind of Christian that you can't be counted on. Amen, amen, amen. Be a Christian that you can be taken for granted. I'm telling you something. Have your heart right with the Lord and serving the Lord. We get superficial within our community. Within our community. Listen, there was a preacher and a lawyer. Have you heard this one? Well, it's not that one. I don't know who said yeah. But it's not a joke. It sounds like a joke. sounds like a one-liner. Don't open a line to a joke. There's a preacher and a lawyer. Preacher's in, I don't know, he's sitting in one seat of the car, and the lawyer's in the other seat, and the lawyer started asking the preacher questions. And he asked the preacher, he says, listen, i got a question for you. Do you believe that the Bible is really the Word of God? The preacher says, yes, I do. I believe every, every dot, every tittle, everything about the Word of God is God's Word. It's inspired by God. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. He is the Son of God who gave Himself on the cross for the sins of the world that we might be saved. Do you believe that there's a heaven? Absolutely, I believe that there is a heaven. And every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ will spend an eternity in heaven. Well, if you believe in heaven, do you believe in a hell? Yes, I, unfortunately, I believe in a hell. Hell is a real place. Every person who denies Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will spend an eternity in hell and eventually in the lake of fire. And the lawyer finally just stopped what he's doing and he says, you don't believe any of that to the preacher. He says, why do, you, why do you say that? Because we have spent all of this time together and not once have you told me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Not once have you told me how I can stay out of hell. Not once have you told me how I can spend an eternity in heaven. Not once have you opened up the Bible and shared with me what the Word of God says. You have been writing with me, we have spent time together, and not one time, not one time, did you care enough about me that you wanted to show me the one way to heaven? When I heard, that's a true story. When I heard that, it pierced my heart. It pierced my heart. Pastor in this community, I ought to be knocking every door down in this community. And so should every Christian. And why don't we do that? Why don't we think about that? Because we're lacking a little bit of depth. Well, somewhere along the line, the spiritual things didn't, didn't, it's lost a little bit. And we're concerned about all of these other things. All of these other things. That church became superficial. Oh, I love you, Paul. It's good to see you. It's good to hear that testimony, Paul, them people being saved. Well, that's good, Paul. It's good, it's good to see what's going on with those teenagers. But what about so-and-so where they're not dressed right? What about traditions? What about these things that we've always held very dear? What about this right here? What about that paint color? I know that parking lot needs to be fixed, and we're going to get it fixed. But I sure would like to give $200,000 to missions and not stupid asphalt. It's got to be done. I get it. It needs to be done. I want it done. Don't get me wrong. That's not more important. People don't give. 
There's people that don't give. There's people in this church that don't give. I don't know who you are. I don't know. But Miss Liz sent me a stack of envelopes. She didn't give me the names. She says, these people right here, this stack right here has not given one cent all year long. I don't know who it is, but not one penny member of the church. I ask for a commitment when you join the church. I ask everybody for commitment. As the Lord allows, be at every service because this is your church family. We want you to be involved. We want you to be here. I ask that of everybody. As the Lord allows. I'm not saying if you got other things, if you got a job, if something keeps you from that. As the Lord allows. Don't make any excuse. Just be here. I ask for that commitment. I ask for a commitment. As the Lord provides, be faithful in supporting financially the ministries of the church, whether it's through tithes and love offerings or giving toward missions. Be faithful in that. I ask for that commitment. I said, I'm not going to keep up with it. I'm not going to follow behind you. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to show up at your house with an envelope and offering plate and say, hey, you need to give this month. I'm not going to do it. It's between you and the Lord. I ask for people to get involved in a life group. Why? Because that way you are involved and you're, you're around people who love you and care about you and can pray with you. And you're not just somebody, a face in the crowd that is easily forgotten. I'm just preaching this morning. I ask that you get involved somewhere. Find something to do. Invent a ministry. We'll invent a ministry. You got, a heart on, you got something on your heart that we're not doing yet? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We'll come up with something. Spiritual must be more important than the superficial things that really don't have any significance. Why, did, why were they that way? Well, they, st- they kept stoking the wrong fire. Point two. They continually stoked the wrong fire. Say, so what fire was they? What fire was they adding air to? What was important to them? Look, look with me. Verse twenty. Let's just read verse twenty and twenty-one. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, thou seest, brother. How many thousands of Jews there are which believe? Praise the Lord. Thousands of Jews now believers. But what are they zealous about? They're all zealous of the law. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses. That's what they're concerned with. What are you teaching them about Moses' law? I want you to sell the next phrase. The church was concerned that all may know Paul had not forsaken the law of Moses. That's what they were concerned with. We want to be sure you're following the law of Moses. And so they had this plan. They came up with this plan. They said, Paul, there are four guys who are going up to the temple, and they're going to offer an offering. They're going to be there seven days. They're going to shave their heads. There's a particular offering that they need to give. And we're going to ask, we want you to go up there with them, and we want you to pay for it all. We want you to take the bill. And we want you to be with them throughout those seven days. On the eighth day, we want them to offer their offering. And if you do this, we believe that everybody will see that you really do, you still believe in the law. 
the law is still very important to you. Well, Paul does so. Why? Look at the next slide. Because Paul's entire ministry goal was that all may know the grace of God through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. That's what he's concerned with. Paul wasn't preaching against the law of Moses. Paul wasn't against preaching the word of God. He wasn't against them following some of their customs. He was against them making that more important than the gospel. Read the book of Galatians. Can, will you turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? I want you to read this right here. This shows the heart of the Apostle Paul. You see, they were zealous of the law. They were very legalistic. That is, that is how Pharisee, Pharisees started. They even added to the law. They were very pharisaical. They're very legalistic in everything. We're more concerned about how you're dressed than where your heart is. We're more concerned about A, B, C, and D, what you look like and how your worship is than where your heart really is. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at Paul's heart there. In, I'll get there in just a minute. Verse 16. He says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, that I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law is under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law is without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Underline that in your Bible. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Paul didn't concern himself with whether or not you was a Jew or Gentile. He didn't care what color your skin was. He didn't care what you had to offer financially. He didn't care about those things. If he's in a, if he is, if he's standing before Congress, I'm just saying today, if he's standing before Congress, he's going to speak eloquently. He's going to speak in a manner that doesn't draw attention to himself. He is going to preach the gospel. He's going to preach truth because that's where he is. But if he's down at the poorhouse and those people can't understand anything but broken English, man, he's just going to get himself dirty. He's going to get right in there with them. He became all things to all men, that by all means he might save some. What was important to him was that people know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and experience the grace of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. That's what was important to him. Not getting everybody to look just like me. I need one of those shirts. Let's close up. Last point. They stoked the wrong fire. Let me, let me just say this. They were zealous of the law. They, weren't zealous, they didn't say that they were zealous of Jesus. They weren't jealous, zealous of the gospel. They weren't zealous of grace. They weren't zealous of mercy. They were zealous of obedience to the law. And if we're not careful, such an attitude can become pharisaical. Amen. 
And zeal means to have a great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. So I ask the question, what do you enthusiastically pursue in your Christian life? I know a lot of people are zealous about Alabama football. I know a few fools who are zealous about Tennessee football. Those colors, man, they bleed. Zealous, passionate, excited, energetic, fired up about it. Can't wait to do it. Let's go. What time? You name the time, we're going to be there. What are you zealous about in your Christian life? What, where is the enthusiasm in your Christian, your spiritual life, your worship with God? What are you zealous about? When it's all said and done and we've listed the names and everybody claps and this one got seven people got saved and we praise the Lord and testimonies are given. And these kids stand up and they testify in the Lord and, and, and they give a report. This is what God done in my life. And man, that's good. That is good stuff. And then before the night is over, somebody has gotten me off to the side and somebody wants to be in my office or I get a phone call Monday morning about something that just don't matter. Amen. Amen. Lastly, a church that loses its way, the gospel's not important, we're not giving to fund the gospel going out. We're not looking for opportunities to share the gospel. We're not, we're not inviting people. We're not reaching people. We're concerned about things. We're concerned about programs. We're concerned about all those other things. And this world is all about other things. Does this church have this? Does this church do this? We're going to try to do everything the best we can. But I don't care what else we do if we're not passionate about reaching people. In Somerville, in the United States of America, and across this world, If we're not passionate about that, the rest of it is just superficial. And what happens when we lose our way? We turn on our own. The greatest preacher that I could think of, other than Jesus Christ, got turned on by his own church. Why? Because some people made some rumors and stirred up some lies about him. If you hear a rumor, why don't you go to... Mm-hmm. There are three truths. Your truth, my truth, and the real truth. And everybody just takes what's on the cover. Oh, this is what I heard, therefore it must be true. Mm. 
Well, there were some Jews from Asia who showed up. All right? Let me wrap this up. There's some Jews from Asia. I had no, I, I had no doubt Paul's done encountered this group before. He had the uproar in Ephesus where they tried to kill him. Here they are in Jerusalem because they're there for Pentecost. They're there for worship. And guess who's in town today? That lowly rascal Paul. I remember what he did in my hometown, and I'm not going to let him do it here. And so they stirred up everybody. The Bible says they stirred up all men. Well, that includes the saved and the lost. And my question is this. Where were the elders when all this was going on? When they grabbed Paul and they drug him out and were beating him and were ready to kill him and would have if not the chief captain of the Roman army didn't intercede. God can use a lost man to get his work done. Isn't it shame though? Isn't it a shame that he's got to use a lost man than a saved man? They were going to beat him to death. And I have the question, well, where was James? Where was all the elders? Where was the rest of the church? They just let it happen. And the, and the, emperor, the, the, the uh, chief captain comes in and says, what is going on here? And some people say this and some people say that. They don't really have an idea. They just want to have a fight. They just want to have a fight. They don't really know what it's about. We just want to fight about something. And all of a sudden, the church... And the world looks just alike. And there's fighting going on in the churches. Because people are zealous about something that is not spiritual. It is not about the gospel. We're fired up over our little things, our little pet hobby horses and our little soapbox. And we want to get on those things. And you have never testified and brought one person to church. It's always people who never bring anybody to church with them. I'm just preaching. I don't want to pastor a church that lost its way. Amen. The, the, the important thing has to be the important thing. I found out on Friday, I'm done. I found out on Friday. That during our revival service, and I'm going to tell you something. I looked at my wife Thursday night, BJ. And I asked my wife, is this what revival really is? Because I've never seen this. Whew. I've never seen this. They sang and they sang. You know what? They didn't preach. And some people have a problem with that. Because they discount the fact they had been preached to all week long. And it's finally invitation time. Are you with me? There were 148 people got saved that night. On that list of people was a 48-year-old, a 63-year-old, several grown adults. It wasn't just kids. And you might question, oh, some of those kids were caught in the emotional moment. I don't know. Maybe they were. That's not for me. 
That's for God. I don't know their heart. I don't know your heart. Are you saved? Sometimes I question whether some of you are saved. I love you. I love you. I do. I love you. While 148 people are getting saved and people are rededicating and some young men are getting called to preach and young men and young ladies are getting called to be missionaries and want to serve the Lord, I find out on Friday that there was one church, a pretty large-sized church, that were fighting. They split. They had a split during the service. And some teens were with these, these adults and counselors, and some teens were with these adults and counselors, and they call one of the evangelists over there and want them to come and try to solve this matter because as far as they're concerned, when they go back to church, they're, they're splitting churches. There are 148 people getting saved. Their heart's getting right with the Lord. What are you gripping about? You've lost something. Something got in the way. And that's going on. That stuff can go on in the most spiritual of circumstances. Everybody's getting right with the Lord and somebody's sitting over there, I don't know about this. That just ain't a God. Like you've got a monopoly on God. Well, then you go out there and you show us how to do it. Bring 10 people into church next Sunday. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just preaching because I love you. Are y'all having fun? Yeah. Good. A church that loses its way turns on one another. Next thing you know, there's this group over here and this click over here. Get the clicks out of the youth group. This group over here, this group over here. Nobody will talk to one another to find out what the truth is. I, I just heard this. Well, I just heard this. Nobody will ever come. I've had all kinds of things said about me. Nobody ever comes to me and asks me, well, what, is this right? I'm glad to share it with you. But I ain't going to get on my soapbox. I'm not going to get on Facebook and share all that stuff. Because I care more about people getting saved than I care about being right. Amen. They, turn, they turned on one another. It's a church that lost its way. I want to be real. Teenagers, I want what you have to be real. I want it to change you and transform you. I want you to go find your friends and bring them in. I don't know. Find a way. Find a way to make it happen. You got me? Find a way. If I got to feed them pizza every night, we'll do it. Find a way. Get on fire for the Lord. Pray together. Spend time together. Get one another and say, hey, go, go with me and visit my friend tonight. Love one another. Text one another. I'm praying for you today. I know you got this going on. I know you got this big game today. Praying for you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to support you. Price will play Brewer this year. Thank God. Love one another. 
You got me? Don't lose his way. Don't lose sight of the main thing. All right? All that other stuff, it's important. I'm not downplaying it. We've got to stick to the Word of God. I'm not downplaying that. Don't you run out here and say, oh, preacher, don't believe in the Word of God. I believe in the Word of God. You better believe I do. And we're going to stand for it. We're going to stand for it. But I am sick and tired of 28 years of ministry of dealing with foolish things. I am sick and tired of dealing with people who leave this place, come in here and worship and do stupid stuff that you ought to know better. But you're following your sin and your flesh and you're going to do what you want to do and make a mess out of it. When you sit there and you hear the preaching and you hear the singing and you're just superficially playing church. Amen. That's by our heads.